DDC brands do an absolute horrible job at customer support. And it's the boring side of business. It's not about ads. It's not about the glamour side of it. Listening to your customers will really help you spot out all the problems that you actually have in the business. I can't just come in and tell you you have all these problems. You got to listen to people that are paying you, you know? You're listening to The Liftoff Show, the podcast for ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs, helping you increase sales, profits, and build a powerhouse brand fast. I'm your host, Austin Lovell, and welcome to the show. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to The Liftoff Show. Today, we're chatting with Jason Wong, and we're going to be talking about brand building. We're going to be talking about all things that you need to hear when it comes to building a powerhouse brand. So, Jason, first of all, thanks for being on the show. And do you just want to take a minute to introduce yourself and and tell us what you've been up to in the e-com space? Yeah, of course. My name is Jason Wong. I'm calling you guys out of Orange County, California, originally from Hong Kong, and I started in e-commerce when I was 15 years old. So been about almost nine years now. Uh, built a variety of brands over the years. Currently working on a DDC beauty brand called Doe Lashes. But on the side, I also do sourcing and logistics at Dropbox. And I teach, I love teaching. I teach at Shopify. And I love to do a lot of these podcast shows just to uh, teach a little bit more in like snippets of it. So th- thanks for having me on the show, man. No, I love it. I love it. And I've definitely been following what you've been doing with Doe Lashes, just seeing the awesome content that you're putting out there. And then it seems like you're doing all of these awesome things. Everywhere I look, you know, there's something new, whether it's the masterclass, whether it's the orders and logistics and the fulfillment side of things, or, you know, product sourcing and building profitable brands. Like there's so many cool things that you're involved in. So I just want to dive back to, I guess, building strong brand, because I think that's going to be super valuable for anyone listening and maybe do you just want to tell people about your approach to building brands what you look for in a great brand and for someone who's maybe listening how they can turn just a store into a really really strong brand for me personally my understanding is that brand is an experience there there's a specific direction and and a why to why people buy from your brand and stay around to it anyone can start a store and shopify put 29 bucks on the basic plan and do drop shipping that's not a brand. Even if you have a logo, you have nice colors, that's not really a brand unless, and a dropshipping store can be a brand, unless you have the element of retaining your customers with a core sense of purpose of why they need to buy from you and an ultimately a holistic experience of shopping with you. So, you know, Lululemon isn't just selling yoga pants. They're selling a lifestyle. They're selling an experience, a feeling of wearing the product. I know who, who makes Lululemon pants. Anyone can go source those pants and sell it, but they're not a brand unless they're, ha- they're able to achieve that. Now, how do you really build a brand in modern DDC space? Well, first, we need to take a look at what's really different about the current DDC atmosphere versus, let's just say, a few years ago. A few years ago, anyone can go out and make a Facebook ad, toss something up and sell. It's converting immediately. You're scaling like crazy. You're happy buying a Lambo and, and think that's really it. But today, the, the space is so much different. There's more competition. Ad costs are going up. It's getting more more and more difficult to find new customers and retain them at, at a proper pace. And that's why a lot of people are getting phased out. But, you know, like, it's not that e-commerce is going on a, di- 
downward spiral by any means. People are spending more money than ever. This Friday, uh, this Black Friday will probably be our biggest Black Friday. And, and we're going to say that every single year because that's true. It's growing year after year with more people adapting to it. Now, how do people, you know, really circumvent the challenges of acquiring new customers? In my head, the way to approach building a brand today is to really focus more on nurturing your existing customers and increasing an LTV rather than just trying to scale. Years ago, and the way that people think about building brands like that, we got to acquire a lot of customers, we got scale, we got acquire customers. But nowadays, really the key here is to acquire customers and think very long and hard about how do I make this customer spend more money and how do I get them to come back again and again and again? And third thing is key. How do I get this customer to bring their friends to come and buy at our company? Because spending uh, money to acquire a customer is so expensive right now that it's actually um, the only option for you is to make more money off your initial customers and getting your initial customers to refer other people to come in. So really nurturing your existing customer base will be the key differentiator for surviving DDC today. If we were to think of some practical ways to help retain the customers, get them to come back and also refer and be, I guess, raving fans for the brand and invite more of their friends into the brand as well. What would be some key ways that you often look at? Maybe it's for Doe, maybe it's for other brands that you've worked with or working on. What are some ways to increase retention and increase the raving fan effect, I guess? Is it email marketing? Is it SMS? Is it more regular content? How do you tend to approach it? There's multiple things you need to do. Many, many different levers. There's not one single thing. And I'll, and I'll actually list all of them for you. One is that you want to build a community of your customers. Community isn't just a group chat. It's something... It's a circle and a space for your customers to be together with a sense of purpose. So you can build communities like how crypto brands have built communities in Telegram groups to building communities on Facebook groups. We personally built our community on Discord because we found that it was a better way to organize and it's not like Slack where it's very businessy. So building a community and having a sense of purpose of why you're building this community is one way to retain your customers in a space where you can constantly reach them without spending money to reach them. So that's one thing. Second thing is having a good loyalty program uh, within your store. One of the brands and company that I recommend is called Smile, Smile Reward and Loyalty Program. It allows you to give your customers points for performing certain actions on your store, whether that is liking your post, following your Twitter, making a purchase. And it's kind of like a Starbucks app on your phone where you can use those points to redeem for rewards. You can actually emulate that entire experience on your Shopify store with Smile. So that's the second thing. Number three is social media. Understanding how to build an audience on social media is very, very obvious, but not a lot of people do this well because they, they think they just need to post and, and call it a day, but really engaging with your, with your customers and telling them that you're there for them and being top of their mind and top of their inbox, like DM them, talk to them, comment, reply to your comment and really engage with them is very key here. You can't just post and, and log off. You really need to be there for your customers and, and make them feel like they have you. Then you have like the retention channel, like SMS and email. SMS is a very, very delicate and intimate channel. You cannot treat SMS like email. With email, everyone's just blasting sales every 48 hours, yada, yada, yada. But text message is the place where people are talking to their friends and family. You cannot disrupt their flow with a sale. You really need to talk to them and nurture it. So good brands actually have a dedicated person on SMS just talking to the customers, being there for them. If you ever like bought like a designer store or a high-end store, they usually give 
you their personal phone number in case you ever need to reach back to them. Like if you're shopping at Rolex, you most likely have the contact for the person who sold you the watch. You want to emulate that luxury experience for your customers. That's how you stand out. Like people are like, yeah, I got a plug at the CDC brand. I just text them and sometimes I get a discount code. You want to create that feeling rather than just saying sell, 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 sell. Now, email, on the other hand, it's another great retention channel, but that's where you can have a little more long form copy to, to sell your product. But the thing that I found with email is that you really want to also be authentic. Don't just make a one picture banner on email and set 25% off and think that's the end of email. But like one of our best performing email sequences right now is entirely text-based. There's no picture in it. It's just saying, hey, I'm Jason. I'm the founder of this and that. I want to personally welcome you to, to my brand. I want to thank you for this. This is what we've been building so far. Here's what you can expect from us next. If you want to stay on, we'll give you early access to our next releases. You know, really telling them why they need to stay on it because you could always go out and scale your subscriber list on email and SMS. Everyone can do that, but keeping them on there and like making sure that they're staying is the key to sustaining the growth of your BDC brand. So now I've just listed like a few options for retaining a community. If you're able to do this simultaneously and consistently, that's the power and the asset that you can hold where in a DDC space, it's very difficult for you to have a tangible asset. But if you're able to have your email list, your SML list, your community, your Discord group, your you know social media, these are tangible assets that will actually multiply the value of your company should you ever sell it down the line. So something to think about. Super, super powerful. And so by the sounds of it, building brand isn't just a single post-purchase email. It's not just sliding in the DMs one time and saying, hope you're happy with your order. It's an ongoing process, constantly staying top of mind, being helpful, just always being there through all the different channels and just treating it like a relationship rather than they're a customer, they're almost like a friend. And so is that pretty much right? So important. So important. Like think about Think about how many brands that you see on a day-to-day basis just growing through social media. The ones that stand out to you will always be the ones that are top of mind for you. So how do you stay top of mind? It's by actually talking to your customers because most of these CDC brands don't give a shit about the customers that they acquire because they're running so much Facebook ads that they're scaling. They're like, yeah, whatever. We'll just get another customers down the line. And now you're hitting this whole roadblock with iOS 14. It's like, well, crap, we can't acquire the customer the same cost as we can before. Like we're really kind of like running into a wall of acquiring customers. It's not being profitable anymore. So you really need to take a step back and be like, okay, you know what? Let's change our tactic a little bit. Let's figure out how do we make more money from each of the customers that we're acquiring. acquiring. So increasing the AOV, increasing their basket size and whatnot. And then figuring out how do I get these customers to become great brand ambassadors for us, to sell for us. And you do that through a community, you do that through a group referral program, and you do that through just incentivizing them to sell for you. And if you're able to do all these things simultaneously and effectively, you're able to offset the losses that you're taking on pay because you're doing so good on the organic side of things. For sure. And talk to me a bit about iOS 14. We've mentioned it a few times. You've scattered it in there about how it's affected things, especially for you, obviously, being an operator of brands and also helping other brands scale up. How have you seen iOS 14 change things? And how do you think brands can, I guess, it's already happening. So how can they adapt and how can they be, I guess, better right now? Data. Data is going to be the single biggest differentiator between a brand that will survive and a brand that will just nosedive into the bottom. Collecting the right data and collecting data that is helpful 
means that you're able to do better targeting marketing. You're able to personalize the experience for them. So what kind of data do you collect and how do you collect them? I'll tell you. The data that you're supposed to collect is called zero-party data. That's the most valuable information that you can get on someone. Zero-party data is defined as information that a customer tells you intentionally for you to cater to the, to their browsing experience. So for example, zero party data will be things like a survey asking you, you know, Austin, what's your favorite mountains to hike? If, if I'm like selling hiking gears, how often do you go hiking? Do you go hiking with your friends or family or do you go hiking alone? And by asking all these information in a form on, on my store through a shopping quiz or whatever, I'm able to collect these data and build your profile so that when I sent you an email, I'm not just sending you a blanket email that I'm sending to 80,000 people. I'm sending emails to people who hike once a month, who likes to hike with friends and family. So I know there are other people that can, they, they can bring it around. I know that they like a certain type of mountain path, so I can send them stickers of like those mountains. So like really personalizing that experience in the copy, that will make you stand out amongst all these different brands trying to sell to your particular customer. So collecting zero-party data through shopping quiz, I use Octane AI. That's like my preferred app to use. Collecting that and powering your marketing strategies and your channels because Octane AI actually syncs these data into Klaviyo. You can actually build profile attributes on Klaviyo saying Austin likes to hike with friends and family. He, he uses this uh, brand in the past and being able to personalize that experience and also sends the event to Facebook. So you can run dedicate Facebook ad campaigns for people that fit a particular attribute. Do you see how this is a lot more powerful than just sending ads and, and emails to everyone else? That's what's uh, going to help you win in this entire DDC space today. So now that we've talked about, I guess, marketing, advertising, the effects of iOS 14, how to build a strong brand, Let's talk about, I guess, the other side of e-commerce, the back end, maybe the fulfillment side, the operations, because I know you work with a lot of brands in that capacity as well, helping them optimize the fulfillment side, helping them, you know, with the operation side and making sure that they're delivering an awesome customer experience post sale. So what are some other major issues that you see brands facing and what should they be looking out for to solve those problems? It's a very simple answer that will apply to everyone, customer support. DDC brands do an absolute horrible job at customer support. And it's the boring side of business. It's not about ads. It's not about the glamorous side of it. It's customer service. But I, I this is the hill that I'll die on. This is the biggest thing that I advocate every single brand to really put time and money into is making sure that you're bulletproofing your customer support. I use Gorgeous and I built an entire automation infrastructure within Gorgeous to automatically reply to certain emails and to ensure that our response time is really short. Now, why is customer support really important? When you think about e-commerce as a, as a zone, the first line of defense and the first line of anything within your business is obviously customer support because that's where you got to figure out if your product has high defect rate, if you're having too much shipping issues, if there are things that are broken with your site, if people are happy or unhappy about your products, typically the unhappy side. But if you're able to figure out all these problems that your customer is facing through customer support, you can continuously optimize your businesses to cater to their needs and understand where to fix. So there's like no point in me to come on and tell you anything else besides customer support because every brand's problems are different. Every brand will have a different set of problems that they, that they have to face, but it's typically the customer experience at the end of the day that really matters. These are the people that are paying you money to buy your products. And if they're not happy with that, they're not coming back and you just essentially lost out on one single customer 
uh, multiplied by how many are unhappy. So making sure that you're having really good customer support and really listening into what they're saying and figuring out how to solve for it. So a couple of things I'll, I'll list as examples. One was shipping costs. We found that you know a lot of our customers were after international, but the reason we didn't get a lot of international orders is that our shipping costs were just too high. Now, shipping costs is obviously one of the hard things to fix, especially in this climate. But nonetheless, it's a big problem that is alienating a large part of our customer base. So we're like, okay, cool. Let's start like taking a look at what is the main problem, what is causing that problem, and how can we kind of find solutions or alternatives. So we're like, okay, the main problem is USPS, which is the United States Postal Service. And it's really hard to negotiate rates for them. So we start asking questions. Well, what other service providers can we work with that can provide lower rates? So we start researching and doing a bunch and we found the service that can deliver same amount of um, packages, similar transit time, a couple of days later, but for half the price. So now we can effectively reach people in the UK, Australia, Canada for half the price. And now we're able to get more customers in that space. So we found that out because our customers told us that we're not ordering stuff from Australia or UK. We don't really face the same problems, but we noticed that problem because we listened to our customers through customer support. Another thing is product defects. Within DDC manufacturing, there's always going to be a number of defects with every single batch. And there's like usually a normal standard of defect rates, like three to 5% of your product will be defective. Just normal, like statistical significance of production. But if you're seeing a high amount of people having issue with this product, typically you're going to see that through customer support. People are emailing and they're like, hey, this product doesn't look like what it was shown on the picture, or this didn't uh, work the way it was advertised. By listening to our customers and, and listening to their problems, we're able to identify that there's an outlier and not an outline. There's an unusual amount of people having issues with this product. And we went back to the vendor, fixed it, and now that problem is resolved. So listening to your customers will really help you spot out all the problems that you actually have in the business. I can't just come in and tell you you have all these problems. You got to listen to people that are paying you, you know? Mm, no, I love it. And if we take everything, this is a question I've been super keen to ask you. If we take everything that we've talked about today from, you know, st having stellar customer service, great marketing and advertising and building a brand. And I was to throw it over to you and say, look, Jason, if you had to start a brand right now and you had 30 days to get it up to 100K in revenue, what are you doing in those 30 days? Like at a broad Hawkeye overview, I'm not expecting you to go through day by day, but what would sort of be your plan of attack having built brands, having built them to huge levels? What would you do in that 30 day stretch? And I think this is going to be really valuable for someone listening in. Uh, I mean, this might be like an, out, like an outlier in terms of how I operate it, but I would effectively go to a major influencer and, and offer them the ability to create their own merchandise stores like by private labeling my product. So if I have a nail company, uh, which I do, I would just go to a major influencer and be like, would you like to have your own nail company? And most of them will like to because they're trying to diversify their, their income stream. They don't want to just make money off sponsors. So, so they're like, yeah, I'll put my name on, on, on uh, your product and just say that this is my business. I don't care if it's you know their name on it or I'm going to make 100K because one, I don't have to spend any marketing dollar and, only, and two, I only have to pay the money when they sell something. So by working with them on a commission basis, I'm able to create product for them, get free marketing, get free usage of their likeness in my ads, and then use that momentum to propel to start my own uh, collection of products that doesn't have their name on it. Like if I were to have to start all over again, I would do that. And I'll tell you why. If you had to start all over again right now today, 
and just start with Facebook ads, you're going to get crushed. You're going to spend a lot of money and you're going to get like 0.9 to 1x ROAS because that's just really how things works right now with um, the DDC space. Unless you're sell like selling something that is like extremely unusual and super, super uh, unique, it's really difficult for you to scale at this rate, which is why like if you present with me that exact problem, I'll actually go with the opposite way. And like, look for like a TikTok star, someone who's up and uh, rising in the creator space and be like, hey, I know you're making money off like digital sponsorships right now, but how about making a brand for yourself and just let them like, you know, promote their brand, put their name on it. At the end of the day, I'm still making that 100K. I've never heard that approach before. And I'm sure people listening would have thought, it just makes so much sense. You're leveraging a big audience to begin with. You're getting your foot in the door that way. You're sidetracking all of the trial and error of trying to scale up using Facebook ads for the first time. And you're just jumping right to an engaged audience. So I think that's extremely powerful, super, super powerful. And so then it's just leveraging those audiences, growing that initial fan base. And then from there, transitioning into your own you know, separate line of products rather than one attached to the influencer. I think that's a really, really smart way to do things. And so Jason, look, it's been awesome to have you on the show. I appreciate all the insight that you've given today. And I guess the last thing I was keen to finish on here is if you were to go back in time to when you were first getting started with building brands, even maybe before you created your first Facebook campaign, what would you tell yourself? Because I'm sure you've learned a whole host of things over the journey. But if there was one thing that I guess would have helped you out immensely at the start for someone listening in who's maybe in a very similar position, just getting started out or really trying to scale up their brand for the first time, what are you going back and telling yourself? What is that one piece of or one valuable tip you honestly wish you knew right now all the way back when you started? Yeah, I, I'm going to be the boring guy and tell you the boring shit that uh, actually will be really important. I know for a fact that every single DDC brand scaling, if you're at like 20 to 50K right now, it, it'll be fine. But once you scale beyond that, you're going to run into cash flow issues. You're going to run out of money and liquidity. Most DDC brands, their net margins are anywhere between 15 to 20% on a, on a good one. Any major ones will start decreasing down there, meaning, for, meaning that for every $100,000 that you make, you realistically only pocket. 15 to $20,000. That's not a lot of money to hire people, to invest in new products, to spend money on designers, like things with longer payback periods. So you will run out of money very, very fast. Now, it's okay to know that you're running out of money um, soon if you know that it's got to be like months ahead, like your financial runway is got to be six months. The worst thing is finding out that you actually don't have money to pay a bill when you look at your bank account and be like, oh man, I actually don't have that liquidity. So I'm going to be the boring guy and tell you that the most important thing that you need to focus on when you're scaling isn't about the ads, influencer, and whatever. It's focusing on your money, like taking a look at your cash flow day in and day out, every single week, every single month, and understand where you can optimize your expenses and where you can optimize your cash flow. If you can extend your payment uh, periods with any certain vendors or service providers, can you negotiate for longer payment cycles? Being able to stretch your cash flow will be the number one thing that will determine the success. And, and survival of your business because a lot of companies die out because they run out of money. And so like, I'm not gonna come here and tell you, oh, you need to do this to scale your ads or whatever. No, focus on your money because you will run out of money sooner than you expect. And sometimes when you run, almost run out of money, it's gonna be like days before you complete run out and that's when your brand dies. So the key to anyone, myself included, because I have gone into that issue before, is to make sure that you're making enough money for whatever you're about to spend money on and that you're budgeting properly, you're looking over your finances and just making sure that you have a healthy cash flow. That is the number one thing that will help 
or kill your business. I think you won't hear that from too many people. You'd hear scale faster or I wish I started with ads sooner or I wish I you know, used influencer marketing sooner to get more sales and more traffic through. But I think it's a very smart way to approach it. Make sure the numbers make sense. Make sure you're scaling profitably and you're not digging yourself a huge hole that you just can't get out of. So Jason, it's been awesome to have you on the show. Appreciate all your insight and I'm sure everyone listening has got a huge amount of value of all the tips and, and strategies that you've shared. Oh, thanks for having me. It was nice talking.